The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Good morning. Now, we're going to carry on our series on reaching others. Um, if you remember, this is really looking at our responsibility to help save lives. Now, if you were in the first session two weeks ago, uh, we looked at why. Why do we reach out? And uh, we understood from the Bible that God's heart is that all should be saved. And that's why when Jesus was leaving, he said, go, go into all the world and preach this gospel. And of course, last week, Clive looked at how. Uh, If you remember, Clive talked about preconditions, uh, helping us understand that the Holy Spirit really plays a part in the process. Uh, And also, Clive touched on the importance of being intentional about how we make connections. You know, I was thinking about that because most Christians really came to Christ through personal interaction, someone. Um, Even if you just look at the maps, if 10 million Christians each reached one person each, that would be another 10 million. Now, how many crusades or events would we have to do to reach the same 10 million? So we understand that really it is through the personal interactions that we have that more people are going to come to Christ. This week, we're going to carry on. Now, this week, um, I've entitled the message this week, The Habits of Highly Effective Christians. The Habits of Highly Effective Christians. Uh, This is in a bit of a nod to one of my favorite business books. That's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, I've got a summary of it on my, on my wall in my office. Now, my focus today really is around helping us build what I call the evangelism toolkit. Uh, now, for the DIY enthusiasts and those who work in trades, you know, you have a toolkit. Uh, it's got different tools in it uh, because different tools, different jobs require different tools. And um, now, I'm not a DIY enthusiast. In fact, I'm not a DIY anything. Um, And I've learned, even I've learned from experience, that you need the right tool for the right job. Uh, There was one in our old house. Um, We had this uh, screw loose on uh, on a toilet seat. And uh, and I tried to fix it. And the screw wasn't working. So I thought, let me try a hammer. uh, Because um, just a little bit of force. Now, I know some of you are thinking... Who uses a hammer to try to drive down a screw? Well, that was me. Um, but I, of course, I knew that this was not the right tool. So I was a bit gentle with it. And it wasn't going down. So I thought, just maybe a little bit more force. Uh, anyway, the long and short of it was that uh, we had to replace the entire bathroom suite. Um, because I'd accidentally smashed the toilet. And because it was part of a set the whole thing had to be changed. Now, I think the end result, in the end, it worked out well because we then decided to reduce the bathroom to create a path for an extension to the third bedroom. So in the end, it worked out well. 
But the point is, I was using the wrong tool for the job. Uh, so part of what we're trying to do here is help us build our evangelism toolkit. So we're using the right tool for the right job. So the first habit we want to look at is that we begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Now, our objective is to save souls. It's to win souls. Okay? It is not to win arguments. It is not to make people feel bad about their lives. It is not to condemn people. Our objective is to win souls. And that should come across in what we do. If we have that end in mind, that shall have an impact on how we approach talking to people. Let's look at an example in the Bible. We all know the story of, well, most of us know the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Now, the Bible says that Jesus decided to go through Samaria, okay, on his way somewhere. Now, that was intentional. We talk about being intentional. It wasn't just some random act. That was intentional. And Jesus then ends up at this well. It's sunny. He's tired. He's thirsty. And the Samaritan woman turns up, and Jesus says, can I have some water, please? And we pick up the story from verse 9, John chapter 4, verse 9. And it says this, The woman was surprised that a Jew would ask a despised Samaritan for anything. Usually, they wouldn't even speak to them. And she remarked about this to Jesus. He replied, If you only knew what a wonderful gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me for some living water. I can just imagine the woman rolling back her eyes like, I mean, I've just met this dude by the well. He's asked me for some water. And now he's talking about some living water. He hasn't got anything to get water from. And so she says, but you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this is a very deep well. Where would you get this living water? And besides, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob? How can you offer better water than this which he and his sons and cattle enjoyed? Jesus replied that people soon became thirsty again after drinking this water. But the water I give them, he said, becomes a perpetual spring within them, watering them forever with eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me some of that water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to make this long trip out here every day. Now, I don't know whether that please, sir, was a bit sarcastic. It's like this living water. Yes, give me this water so I don't have to come and fetch water here again. But as we read on the story, the woman soon realizes that this is no ordinary dude. Why? Because Jesus said, where is your husband? And she said, I don't have one. And Jesus then told her, yeah, you, you don't, because the one you have now is not your husband, and you've had so many, etc., etc." Suddenly she realizes, ah, this is no ordinary guy. And then the conversation goes on. They talk about worship, and Jesus reveals that he is the Messiah. Okay. Now, we start off with a, can I have some water, please? And we end up with the woman gets saved, and many people in her town get saved. Okay. Jesus knew exactly why he was there. Jesus knew the end he was after. And that informed the interaction that Jesus had with the woman. As Christians, our objective is to win souls. It is not to make people's life any harder than it is. It is not to make people feel 
bad about their lives. It is simply to win them to Christ. And that has to inform how we interact, what we say, what we do. Bearing in mind that we're out to win souls. The second habit we want to look at is simply that we seek first to understand. That we seek first to understand. Now, we have to diagnose before we prescribe. Okay? Now, imagine you go to the doctors and you sit down and you say, and the doctor goes, what's the matter? And you go, well, the things, I've been feeling some pain recently. And the doctor says, stop right there. I know what the solution is. Here's some antibiotics. Off you go. You kind of go, no, no, hang on. I've not really... No, no, no. I know exactly what your problem is. Just take these and off you go. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not going to be taking whatever that doctor's prescribed to me. Because he hasn't listened. He doesn't understand. I feel he doesn't really understand. Or he or she doesn't really understand what my issue is. Because they haven't taken time to really understand. And that's why one of the habits we want to develop is that we seek to understand first. Now, when you seek to understand, then you don't make the mistake I made by using a hammer to drive down a screw. Because the end result was that I actually destroyed the, the whole thing. That's not what we want to do. Because the thing is, every gospel message has three parts to it. And we need to get that those three parts across. Now, we don't always get the three parts across in one sitting, okay? And it's important that we understand the people we're talking to before we get there. So let's look at the three parts of the gospel. Firstly, we need to help people understand why they need to be saved. You know, we talk a lot, you need to be saved, you need to be saved. Well, why do I need to be saved? That's the first thing we need to help people understand. And in Romans 3.23, the Bible says, yes, all have sinned, all fall short of God's glory. Uh, there's an example later to help us see how we can translate that into conversation with people. The second one says that the wages of sin, the consequence of sin, the result of sin is death, separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Helping people understand why they need to be saved is really key as part of the gospel message. The next thing is helping people understand how Jesus saves. How Jesus saves. In Hebrews 9.22, we read this. In fact, we can say that under the old agreement, almost everything was cleansed by the sprinkling of blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of Forgiveness of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You go right back to the beginning. Adam and Eve's sin. What happened? God made them a covering. An animal. Blood. Forgiveness of sins. There is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And we read through the Old Testament how they used to make sacrifices. And then we read in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. I passed unto you right from the first what had been told to me, that Christ died for our sins. That is the simplicity of the gospel. Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said he would, and that he was buried, and three days afterwards he arose from the grave, just as the prophets foretold. So earlier on we read about 
There is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. We can see how Jesus saves because he then gave his life, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. That's how he saves. And then the third part of the gospel is what can they do to be saved? And this is where we go to Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the simplicity of the gospel. If you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, Lord Jesus, you will be saved. Let's look at um, an approach, some approaches. So let's say you're talking to someone, okay, and um, uh, you've understood from your conversation that they, they kind of believe in God, they they're kind of, um, maybe they think they're good enough, okay, um, they're not saved, they're not born again, but they, they think they, they, they believe there is a God out there, okay, and you want to help them understand why they need to be saved. You can use the example of the Ten Commandments. Now, usually I'll ask someone to come up, and we can, um, I can use them as a, a, the individual, but I don't want to embarrass anyone, and you'd see why in a minute. Um, so let's say you're having a conversation, and you, you ask, for example, do you know the Ten Commandments? Usually people will go, people know some, they'll go, um, yeah, don't steal, don't kill, etc. And you go, okay, okay. Then you can go, let me ask you, okay, have you ever stolen anything? Uh, most people will kind of go, uh, no. You go, well, never. Well, I might have stolen things before, but maybe not now. You go, okay, so you've stolen before. Yes, okay, fine. Then you go, uh, have you ever lied? Um, most people will go, well, maybe a little white lie. Um, a lie's a lie. Okay, so you've lied before. Yes, I've lied. Okay, fine. And then you go, um, have you ever looked at a man or a woman with lust in your eyes? Um, that's why you said, I didn't want to embarrass anyone by bringing someone from the crowd to ask them this here. Um, and usually people go, I, I may have. You know, people generally don't say, I have or I haven't. They just, oh, maybe I have. Um, and then you go, do you know what? Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, a man, whichever you are, um, you've committed adultery in your heart. So let me put it this way. So you've lied, and you know, generally people who lie, we say they're liars. Uh, you've stolen. Generally, if you steal, they call you a thief. And uh, So by your own admission, uh, you're a liar, a thief, and, um, and uh, you've committed adultery in your heart. So if you were to face God right now, are you guilty or innocent? then it starts to sink in, okay? That's why the Bible says all have sinned, okay? And that's one way, and this is a technique that I've used many times because I, uh, I learned it from uh, the, the way of the master, um, and it works because it helps people understand this is why you need to be saved because we're all guilty. We've all sinned, Okay? And that's a way. Now, if the individual you're talking to doesn't know, uh, doesn't believe at all, there's no point using the Ten Commandments. Again, we're talking about the toolkit. There's no point using the Ten Commandments here to help them understand why they need to be saved. Because they don't even believe in the Ten Commandments. 
So we try to use questions to understand why they believe what they believe. So that you can try to find some common ground. This is also a situation where you can use your own personal story to help them understand the impact Christ has had on your life. Okay, We take a slightly different tack. Now, if the individual is someone who has a faith, they're not Christian, but they believe in God a different way. So you already know that there is a sense in which they want to know God. And I find when I'm having conversations with people like that, the best thing I can do is almost help them to reach out to God themselves. So A, I would often ask how they became what they are. Um, a lot of times it might be through family. Uh, and then I would say, do you know what? Why, why don't you, in the comfort of your own home, just pray and ask God? God, if you're there, show yourself to me. Again, remember that some water, some sow, some water, some reap the harvest. All we're doing is just helping people along the way. That's what we're doing. Now, let's look at the third and last habit I want to talk about today. And that is simply that we sharpen the axe. Sharpen the axe. Now, that seems strange. The axe in this case is, of course, us. Okay, that we sharpen ourselves. Now, let's look at what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10. It says that a dull axe requires great strength. So, be wise and sharpen the blade. So, how can we sharpen the blade? How can we get ourselves sharpened up? There's no real secret to this. It's prayer. It's, it's as simple as that. Um, there is no way that you can be a highly effective Christian without praying. It just doesn't work. Because prayer is how we relate to God, we communicate with God, uh, and God's the one that gives us the enablement. So if we're not talking to God, there's no sharpening of the blade. Uh, that means we're doing a lot more uh, just to get a message across. So pray, pray, pray. Worship, that we've just been doing this morning. You'd be amazed how five, ten minutes just put on the, the worship music. You're not coming to God to say, Hi, God, uh, I need A, B, C, D. Thanks very much. See you later. No, put a music on. Just worship God. Just spend time just lifting his name on high. There is no substitute for worship. None at all. The Bible. This is, this, this is the sort of things that we, are, we hear all the time. Um, but we can't get away from it. Read the Bible time and again. That's how we sharpen the blade. And of course... Learn from others. Read. We've got this book that Pastor Jonathan has um, helped procure. Um, Creating a Culture of Faith Sharing in the Local Church by Andy Frost. Absolutely fantastic book. I read it yesterday. It's a very short, it's a small booklet. It would take you half an hour to read. But at the end of it, there are ten habits listed. Simple things that we could start to do that will help us to really develop a habit of reaching others. We're going to have copies. For those who are watching at home, uh, if you'd like a copy, just email us at office at bromleytownchurch.com and we will get a copy to you. It is a fantastic book and the steps are really simple steps that we can start to take from today. There is no shortcut. 
in Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. Paul is talking about spiritual maturity. And he's saying that, guys, come on, you ought to be teaching others by now. You know, you should be teaching other people by now. But we find that we're still having to teach you the basics. Come on, it's time to, to, to move on. And then in verse 14, he says this, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The key there really is the constant use, because that's how we build habit. You know, they say in the Power of the Habit um, the, the book, they say that the, the best way to replace an existing habit is not to kind of try hard to stop it. It is actually to replace it with something else. And I know that because I used to play football on Saturdays. Uh, I don't anymore. Uh, partly pandemic, but partly kind of legs not quite being able to carry on as they were before. But I've picked up running. And now on Saturdays, I run. And you know what? It's meant that because I've replaced what I used to do on a Saturday with something else, I don't really think about that anymore. So it's not so much that I've stopped playing, it's that I've started running. And that's part of what we need to try and do to build new habits. We need to start new habits. And that's where this book will really help. Now, most of us drive. Well, well, I say most of us drive. That's an assumption. <laughs> for those who drive, uh, imagine giving up after a few lessons. Or for some, maybe after the 70 or 80 lessons we took before we finally passed our test. Um, imagine giving up. You wouldn't be able to drive today. And as we know, driving today, you just, you just do it. You, know? you don't get in your car and kind of go, right, okay, neutral, yeah, neutral. Uh, mirrors, mirrors, yeah, yeah, okay. And you're driving again, okay, 10 seconds, one, two, three, mirror, uh, on, mirror. We don't do that anymore, you know, because it's just, it's just natural, it's just part of what you do. Because we've, through constant use, we've developed a habit. It's no different for us as Christians. We need to develop the habit of reaching others, and we can't give up. Really is important. You know, from next week, in next week's session, Pastor Jonathan is going to help us further sharpen our blade, uh, further help us with our toolkit, uh, because he's going to look at some questions, some of the questions that we're likely to get out there. Uh, Questions like, um, if God is so good, why does he allow evil? Uh, That comes up a lot. Um, How can you say that Jesus is the only way? Or... um, How can you say that the Bible is God's word when it was written by um, someone called Matthew, someone called Luke? How can it be God's word? Uh, Or how can there be three gods, but there's one God? How does that work? So those are some of the things we need in our toolkit to help us answer the questions that we're going to get. Let me end with this uh, story I heard about D.L. Moody. Uh, uh, a great evangelist of the 1800s, the, the latter part of the 1800s. And the story goes that a lady criticized him for his method of reaching out. And, uh, and, and Moody's response was, do you know what? I, I accept. And um, I don't much like my method either. Um, so he asked her, what do you use? Okay, what method do you use? Um, 
And she said that she didn't. You can just imagine the movie there thinking, well, you don't reach out, but you're criticizing my method. And of course, his response was, do you know what? Um, thanks very much, but I think I'll stick to my method for now. Okay? The point is simply this. A half-baked method is better than no method at all. That's the point. Um, and just to uh, replay uh, a saying of Ryland Bunker that I shared um, a couple of weeks ago. He said that an unpreached gospel is no gospel at all because it doesn't help anyone. You know, in the story of the lost coin in the Bible, the coin doesn't know it's lost. And in the story of the lost sheep, the sheep probably knows it's lost, but doesn't really know how to find a way back. The people that we're going to talk to, there will be some who are like the lost coin. They don't know they're lost. Lost from what? And then there will be people like the sheep who kind of know they're lost, but don't really know a way back. In both situations, if we choose to get to them when we get to them through our normal course of life, We'll never get to them. But if we choose to actively, intentionally go and look for them, we'll find them. Because that's what happens in the story. And that's really what I'm trying to get across. I'm trying to say that we shouldn't fit reaching out in to our daily routine. I'm trying to encourage us to start a new habit. A new habit that means that we are intentionally, actively reaching out. Because when we face our Lord and He says, what did you do with the gospel? All of the things that occupy our time today matters nothing. Whether we live in comfort or whether we're facing challenges, it matters nothing. What matters are the lives that we reach and the people that we help to bring to the Lord. So let me encourage you once again to please reach out. Please reach out so that we can save lives and grow the church. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.